Y'all, who's starting the show? Oh, uh, hello and welcome to JudgeCast, the discerning magic judge's most valuable podcast. Uh, this is episode 210. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman. I'm joined this evening by Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Brogan King. Hi. Hi. All right. I'm still thrown by the, like, who's starting the show. I'm, oh, all right. I like it. <laughs> I don't know. It's all, it's, uh. It's, it's a mystery. Cats and dogs. It's all upside down. Topsy-turvy. Judge cast in your grocer's freezer. All right. Um, yep. it, is yes. that a reference? I don't know. It's just a. It's like an old commercial. Thing. Like commercial. like like a commercial. Yeah. yeah. You know, judge right. cast. Ask for it by name. You know. <laughs> right. Ah. Uh-huh, Check okay. with your doctor to see if judge cast might be right for you. Right. It's not. Judge cast has been known. <laughs> judge cast has been known to cause mild irritation, um, swelling of the fingers, and tennis elbow. Tennis elbow. Uh, I, I was just yeah. throwing something random out there that wouldn't be a no, medical I like it. condition. That's All good. right. All right. So speaking of tennis elbow, uh, this is our uh, release notes <laughs> episode. For that was the worst segue. Kilts of Ravnica. <laughs> <laughs> I. That's what's called a non sequitur. Podcast pros. All right. Um, yes, this is our this is our release notes episode. Our frequently asked questions episode for. Guilds of Ravnica, a.k.a. the Return to the Return to Ravnica, uh, where we will be discussing all the wonderful mechanics of all of the cards, except for Demir, because that guild doesn't exist. Oh, except that it does. I'm here to talk about Demir, though. Yes. I don't get get Simic this set, so I'll have to settle for Demir. Okay. You are not to talk about the dog park. You are not to look at the dog park. Is that's, that a reference? Oh, yeah. oh, I get that reference. That's a uh, Night Vale reference. Welcome to Night Vale. Yes, yeah. look at that. I'm oh. I'm trendy. I'm with it. That's well, that, I can... that's a podcast the kids are listening to these days. I'm actually kind of surprised, Broger, that you don't know about Welcome to Night Vale. Uh, I, this sounds so bad, and I'm going to get blown up for it on the internet. I just think Night Vale's a little too try-hard. Hmm. Um. I like it. That's, it's it's fine. Fair. It just I can't I can't get into it. That's fair. Uh, at any rate, what else we, is try hard? Oh, lots of stuff. Yeah. Uh, fantasy football. Uh, Ooh, that's just D and D for jocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh that is the best description of fantasy football I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, but you're right. Uh. Yep. Do we do we want to talk about some some magic cards? I, yeah, I think we should survey them, or perhaps <laughs> surveil them. So I'm here to talk about Demir, and by that <laughs> I mean this guild that totally 100 percent exists. Yes, uh, Demirier the merrier. That was good. Yeah. Oh, hey. My my. Yeah. No, that one that one passes. All right. So surveil. Uh, as you may have guessed, each each guild has their own mechanic, and the one for Demir that I think is by far the strongest is Surveil. Uh, so some cards will have abilities that say that tell you to Surveil. So Demir Informant uh, says when Demir Informant enters the battlefield, Surveil too. And what Surveil, whatever Surveil X means to look at the top X cards of your library, then put any number of them into your graveyard. And the rest on top of your library in any order. Uh, 
and generally the cards will remind you of that. But mm-hmm. uh, I think Surveil is fancy scry. Mm-hmm. I like the, the flavor scry. text. On, I like the flavor text on uh, Demir Informant. I'm just going to point out that says the letters arrive all sealed in red. That's quite good. It's a little bit disturbing, but it's it's very Demir. So great. There's there's some very like kind of like really heavy handed flavor text that I like a lot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's mm-hmm. it's trying very hard. Hey, that's another thing that's try hard, um, <laughs> but I like it a lot. So it's not on our list to talk about, but we Dragonauts is re- reprinted in this set, and the flavor text on that card uh, is the same same individual as on the original, and but it's not the same flavor text. He's talking about the same invention, just a different context. Oh, did they really? change? They change the flavor text on We Dragonauts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to go look that up right now, listeners. You should too. Uh, unless you're driving, <laughs> and then maybe maybe not do that. In which case, do it when you're not driving. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say take a note to look it up later, but that doesn't uh, that doesn't work either. So here we are. Um, All right. So meanwhile, surveil. Um, uh, in addition to the basic text, some notes. Uh, if an effect allows you to look at additional cards while you surveil, such as with enhanced surveillance that lets you look at an additional two cards each time you surveil. Um, so if something allows you to look at additional cards when you're sur- surveilling, those cards are included among the cards that you may put into your graveyard and on top of your library in any order. So it basically just increases. You do still get to, to move those cards around. Um, if you didn't, it would be kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's that sounds like a weird rule, but there actually is a card in the set that, that makes that happen. Yep. yep. Um, additionally, there are some spells that are going to t- that uh, will that have surveil that have targets. Um, if all of the targets are gone when the spell starts to resolve, uh, you're not going to surveil because that spell's not going to resolve. Um, in addition, you will when you're uh, resolving a card or an ability, you perform the action stated on the card in any order, or sorry, in order. Uh, and sometimes you're going to sort of surveil first, sometimes last. It just do what the card says in order as it's written on the card. Uh, additionally, uh, there are some abilities that trigger when you surveil, uh, such as Demir Spybug, that whenever you surveil, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Um, if there's something that triggers when you surveil, um, it triggers uh, after you're done surveilling, and it triggers even if you don't have any more cards. Additionally, um, when it says whenever you surveil, that's not per card. That is per instance of surveilling. So you don't, mm-hmm. if if you surveil two, you don't get to put two counters on your spy bug. Right. It works. If that works exactly the same in that context as scrying, right? If I something triggers when I scry, yep. it's not going to trigger three times when I scry three. Yep. It is still one instance of surveil, and you're only surveilling once. All right. Well, let's cool. jump right into the is it keyword, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. which is what? what? <laughs> you're going to jump. Jump start. You're going to jump like crisscross. What? You jump like House of Pain. You jump like Van Halen. I'll, I'm I'm into jumping like Van Halen. Okay. So you said crisscross, and my brain heard it as Christopher Cross, and I was like, "That's sailing, Brian. That's not jumping. What are you talking about?" Anyway, so jump start. 
uh, <laughs> is uh, is a mechanic that belongs to the Is It Guild, and if you hadn't picked up on it yet, uh, this set is all about the guilds of Ravnica, uh, except it's not about all of them, is it? Um, anyway, it, is well, it, it? Is a, it is about Is It? Is it? Is it? <laughs> That's never gonna get old. No, it really uh, won't. It's funny so, one time. Uh, it's funny every time. The <laughs> is it keyword is jumpstart, and jumpstart is you know, if you've been playing Magic for a long time, uh, you're gonna recognize this mechanic because it's almost the same as a different mechanic called retrace. The way jumpstart works, it says you may cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to paying its other costs, which is exactly the same as Retrace. But the difference is that if you jumpstart a card, you then have to exile the card that you jumpstarted. So you're saying yeah. it's less busted. It's significantly less busted <laughs> than Retrace. Yeah. Re- retrace Dang. was really good. Yeah, uh, This is fair. So, for example, the card Direct Current. Is there an alternating current in this set? I really hope there's an alternating current in this. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll uh, dig. I'll dig while you uh, look at it. Maybe next. Time. It, anyway, so direct current uh, costs one red red, and it deals two damage to any target. And if it's in your graveyard, you can discard a card and pay one red red to cast it from your graveyard, uh, and then you exile the card. Um, uh, anytime it would leave the stack, right? So if I counter it, so if you jump start it and I counter it, does it? go to the graveyard or does it... uh it should it should be exiled when you do that now the, the thing i'm wondering about and i'm not actually sure is if this works like flashback does where it's actually if it would go anywhere else it's anywhere yeah. else right yeah just like does. flashback okay so so if you were to and i'm i'm digging for cards here but if you were to delay it for example which exiles it with suspend counters it would still exile it with suspend counters and right. and uh and then be cast later and and um and uh, dra- and uh, Jumpstart wouldn't care. Yup. Okay. Uh, so it's basically just flashback with an additional cost of discarding a card. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so wait, is it flashback or is it retrace? Or is it It's both? flash trace. It's, it's flash trace? It's, it's it reback. Reback. <laughs> I would it? like to reback this card. I actually have a friend whose last name is reback, so Ooh. it's their card. Now... Um, I, I have a very serious question. When you are yep. when you are jump starting a spell, is it um, when you got the cables out? Is it positive, positive, negative ground? Right. What? I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> positive. Oh, positive. Oh, I see what you're saying. Positive, yeah. positive, negative ground. Negative ground. Um, I'm talking like real car jump starting. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I. I've that's never what you need to jump start a car. You have to say that when you when you jump start something. Right? I do. I do. You have to like. <laughs> You're like you as you pick it up and put it on the stack. You're like positive, positive, and then you discard the card. You're like negative ground. Okay. Yes. Um, and your exile is ground. I, I actually no. Your graveyard is ground. Ah, uh, I, I that am makes a lot say, more sense. Just, just like just like when people you know when they start playing magic, sometimes people go like untap, upkeep, draw to kind of remind themselves. When I'm jump starting a car, I actually say positive, positive, negative ground to myself, uh, just so I can remember how not to kill myself. Uh, I will say that it's it's. Funny to be like I've always known that you go positive to positive, but uh, until I recently took—I'm not finished with it yet—but I uh, took a circuits analysis class in school. I now understand why it's positive <laughs> to positive. Um, and uh, also this card is direct current, so that's an appropriate conversation. Um, <laughs> it fits. <laughs> anyway, so uh, other stuff about uh, 
<laughs> I almost said retrace. Other stuff about Jumpstart real quick. Uh, you still have to follow the timing restrictions if your card has any timing restrictions. Uh, and the, the, the spell is always going to be countered even if it's exiled. I'm sorry, always, <laughs> always going to be exiled even if it's countered, not the other way around. <laughs> and uh, uh, you could pay any additional costs like Kicker, but you can't pay alternate costs while you're jumpstarting because jumpstarting is already an alternate cost. Uh, other than that, I think that's it. What, right. uh, what, what, what's the next keyword we're going to dig the, up? The next, the next keyword uh, is not a keyword. It's an ability word. It's uh, it's one of those italic little ability words that uh, this is the Golgari ability word. Uh, so you're saying it has no real meaning. It has no real meaning whatsoever. And it, it is undergrowth. So undergrowth is, like we said, an ability word. It has no words meaning, but it does serve to thematically link several Golgari cards together. Uh, what it flavorfully means is... The creature or spell cares about the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Uh, so an example of an example of that would be Rise Home or Rhizomi Lurker Lurcher. It's it's Rhizome. Rhizome. Rhizome Lurcher. It's Porculus. Yes, Rhizome Lurcher is a for two black green uh, is a two two fungus zombie uh, as fungus is want to do i'm pretty sure all zombies are fungus zombies but anyway um it depends on the lore that that is an interesting philosophical question that we should reserve for judge cast after dark um so uh, i don't want to know where you're going with that what i said i don't (laughs) want to know where you're going with that that that's uh that's like the platinum tier for our patreon Right. Oh, yes. Okay. So Rhizome, Rhizome Lurcher enters the battlefield with a number of plus one, plus one counters on it, equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Okay. So that's going to look at when it enters the battlefield, it's going to look to see how many creature cards you got. Now, uh, two, actually one thing of note, not two. Um, actually, we'll say two. Uh, creature creature cards with other types, such as like if you have an artifact creature card or an enchantment creature, those are still creature cards, so they're still going to count. Second thing is um, tokens aren't cards. Now you don't often have tokens in your graveyard, but they do actually go to the graveyard for like a split second before state based actions make them go poof. Um, if there is something that 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 happens or checks in between there. This isn't going to look for that because tokens aren't cards. And this is asking about creature cards. So creature tokens, right. it's, no bueno. It's still not a card. Still even not though a, it hits your graveyard for half right. a second. Still not a card. Even though you got one in a pack and it's a three and a half by two and a half inches, it's not a card. <laughs> but it feels like a card. No, <laughs> I don't no. understand. No. No. Hm. It says token on it. Is token a creature type? No. No, maybe maybe that's a, a type of rule that I could get some mentoring on. Hmm. You need some mentoring, Brian. Probably, but I don't want to boros us with the boros with uh, all the text and going through that process. Oh, killing it! All right. <laughs> Speaking of ki- killing it, this thing has haste, which I guess kills players. Uh, so the uh, boros keyword is uh, mentor and. The card I have here for an example is Barging Sergeant. That's really hard to say. Barging Sergeant. Uh, it is a 4-2 uh, with haste and mentor. And what mentor means? It's a uh, triggered ability. 
that says whenever this creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on target attacking creature with power less than this creature's power. <laughs> it seems pretty good. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I just read the flavor text on that card. Yeah. Which says, oh. don't stop till your horns come out their back. Yes. It's like, don't shoot till you see the whites of their eyes, oh. but so much more morbid. But here's what makes it even more morbid. If you look at his horns, they're curved. So they're curved. Yeah. So you gotta work really, really hard. Oh, I don't like it. Um... Ugh. Oh, Boros, please. Um, so, uh, things to note about Mentor. Um, if a creature has multiple instances of this ability, each one will trigger separately. Um, it will compare... Uh, Mentor will compare the power um, of the Mentor creature and the target creature at uh, two times when you are choosing the target and when it goes to resolve. It's similar to an intervening if in that it checks before it goes on the stack and then checks before it resolves. Um, if when it goes to resolve, the target creature's power has raised and is no longer, or this one's has lowered, or the mentor creature's power has lowered, uh, it won't get the counter. Um, if the creature with mentor uh, leaves the battlefield with the ability, uh, with the trigger still on the stack... Uh, we'll use last known information and see whether or not the uh, mentor creature had a higher power, <laughs> a higher power uh, before it left the battlefield. Anything el else exciting to say about mentor, you think? Uh, not about the ability itself. There's some neat, neat cards with it later on. Yeah, I think it's inherently pretty simple. It's it's a triggered ability. It puts counters on things. It works like a triggered ability. So the next keyword ability, and this one is a keyword ability, is Convoke. Uh, convoke is not even new. Like, Selesnya is not even trying here. <laughs> they, uh, they're just working with the classics, Jess. They're, they're just working with what they know. Right. We're all it's about just, working together, and that doesn't include new ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, get your newfangled ideas out of here. Right. Um, they're traditional. I mean, to be fair... Is it did something very is it and just jammed two mechanics together? <laughs> that so is, like that is fair. So like that, that, that's, that's a simic thing though. Uh so sort of <laughs> like with is it they put two mechanics together and it basically works like you would expect it to. With simic, like they would put two mechanics <laughs> together to get something really weird, right? Totally like, ridiculous. Yeah, like anyway. Yeah. So convoke. Anyway. Uh, if you don't know what Convoke uh, does, let me go over it for you real quick. Uh, it's a static ability that functions while a spell that has Convoke is on the stack. So Convoke just means that for each colored mana in the spell's total cost, you can tap an untapped creature that shares a color with that mana uh, rather than pay that mana. So, for example, uh, there's a card called Siege Worm in this set that costs five uh green green and you could tap two green creatures instead of paying the green green while you were paying for the spell uh and then for each generic mana in the spell's total cost you could tap an untapped creature of any color you could draw rather than pay that mana so if i had two green creatures and five blue creatures i could tap all of them and just cast siege worm 
And they don't even have to have a color, right? They could just be an artifact creature, right? Yeah, it's any creature. It doesn't have to share. Uh, well, the green ones have to be green, right. obviously. But but the other five can be any color or no colors at all. Uh, or multiple colors. Uh, so if you have a red-green creature, that can count for either red or green. But not, uh, but not, but not both. Uh, I mean, maybe both if it's hybrid, right? Like, I know that's not technically how. No, it works. no, no. I mean, I can't um, tap if it's red and green. I can't tap it to pay for two mana. That's correct. Only one. All right. Uh, now the convocability weirdly isn't an additional or alternative cost, and it applies only after the total cost of the spell is determined. So you actually determine the cost before you convoke, instead of. Deciding earlier, I'm going to convoke with this many creatures. Uh, and then while you're paying for it, you can just tap creatures at that point. Um, if a card manages to have convoke more than once, that's redundant. It doesn't do anything. Uh, some interesting things about convoke, though. Uh, it doesn't care if your creatures have summoning sickness. If you cast a creature, you can immediately use it for convoking uh, to tap for, for, for paying for convoke. Um, yeah. It doesn't change the spell's mana cost or the converted mana cost. So if I'm pa- if I'm tapping seven creatures to pay for Siege Worm, uh, it still has a converted mana cost of seven. Its actual mana cost is still five green green. Uh, that, that doesn't change. Um, as I mentioned, it's not an alternative cost, but you can use it to pay for alternative costs. So if you have something with Convoke... Uh, and you somehow give it, say, flashback via, like, Snapcaster Mage, uh, you can pay the flashback cost, which is an alternative cost, uh, by tapping things just just like you would with Convoke any other time. I'm sitting here like, spells with Convoke? And then I remembered that the card Court of Calling exists. Yes. So I'm I'm going to shut my mouth. Yeah, Snapcaster and Court of Calling is sweet because the Snapcaster actually counts as one because you get to tap it immediately. Oh, because you get to snap the or count tap the Snapcaster for mm-hmm. Convoke. That's hilarious. Um, so one thing that does occasionally come up with Convoke is that if you have a creature that makes mana as one of its abilities and it taps to do that, like Lord of War Elves, you can't tap it for mana and also tap it for Convoke. You have to do one or the other. Because you have to tap it, and you can't tap it in right. twice. Yeah, it's 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 already tapped. No matter which one you do, it's already tapped. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, so the next uh, the next mechanic is a returning mechanic, much like convoke is. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is split cards. All right. So sp- it, it is a returning mechanic, but I'm just going to throw this out there. It does not look as good on this new card frame. I agree. I also agree because the 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 fat bottom, the the black, the the, the yeah, hey. yeah, the little rounded bits at the bottom, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. look co- quite as good. No. So, um, I, I was actually wondering when we were making up these show notes, how many times, uh, how many FAQ episodes we've actually talked about split cards. Um, I want to say it's like it I want to say it's like four or five. No, I kind of lost interest before actually doing that. But um, I want to say it's like <laughs> four or five. Um, yeah. So so uh, just go listen to those episodes instead. We'll put a link in the uh, show. No, we'll actually cover over split cards this time. Um, so the card, one of the cards that we talked about, uh, what a split card is, it's visually distinctive. And you'll know it when you see it if you're not familiar with it. Um, it is essentially 
uh, if you take if you take a a magic card and you tap it 180, you know, 90 degrees, or you just turn it sideways. Uh, not 180, 90 degrees. Um, you turn it 180. Yeah, if you turn degrees. it 180 degrees, it becomes a legendary split card from Kamigawa Block. <laughs> um, no, right. uh, if you turn it on its side, it is essentially two little magic cards on it. So if you're familiar with like basketball cards from the early 1980s, I won't go in there. No. Um, so it's essentially two cards and. In this particular case, you have Response and Resurgence. They are two different spells. Response is two of the uh, uh, Boros hybrid mana. It's an instant. It says Response deals five damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Resurgence is three red-white for a sorcery. Creatures you control gain first strike and vigilance until end of turn. After this main phase, there's an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. Okay, those are two different spells on one card. So what you do is, when you cast a split card, you choose which half to cast. So in in essence, it's kind of a modal spell with a modal mana cost and a modal name and a modal uh, um, a type. But you can't cast both halves. So I can't cast both Response and Resurgence. Uh, there are some split cards that let you do that. They have this ability called Fuse. It'll say so on the card. So generally speaking, uh-huh. uh, you're just going to be able to cast one half. Uh, when it's on the stack, and so I'm casting Response, the Resurgence half of the card effectively doesn't exist. The game doesn't see it. Cover it up, yeah. pretend it isn't Cover there. it up. So a split card is still a single card. Uh, if you have to discard two cards, uh, you can't discard response and resurgence and say well there's my two cards uh nope you just discarded one card uh if an effect counts the number of instants and sorceries in your graveyard uh response and resurgence counts once it doesn't say like oh i've got an instant over there and a sorcery on the same card so that's two yay um a split card has two names so response and resurgence is both response and resurgence Uh, so if an effect instructs you to choose a card name i can choose either I can choose response, or I can choose resurgence, but I can't choose uh, both. Um, let's see here. Uh, while not on the stack, while not on the stack, the split card has is the combination of both its halves. So response and resurgence. Uh, response has a converted mana cost of two. Resurgence has a converted mana cost of five. Together, the card has a converted mana cost of seven. So if an effect allows you to cast a card with a converted mana cost of five or less, you, you can't cast either half of Response and Resurgence because it's a card with a converted mana cost of seven. Um, and then if you copy a spell for some reason on the stack that's that's a half of a split card, you only get that half. You don't get the other half of the split card. So that's that's kind of yep. it uh, for, for a, a, a Guilds of Ravnica thing there's some other fancy stuff with split cards that will that we've covered in previous podcasts uh that have gone gone deep on them but that's kind of pretty much all you need to know for a for a pre-release type event uh-huh. uh all right so i guess that's... it's time to move on to the to our card specific notes yes uh, yeah. yeah we're gonna go over uh uh a bunch of cards from uh, guilds of Ravnica that we think are 
uh, you know, difficult or interesting or basically prone to cause players to ask a lot of questions. Things that people might ask about. Right. So, um, so yeah, so we're, so we're going to try and go through this as quickly as we can, but these episodes tend to be a little bit longer because we're going through so many cards. And Guilds of Ravnica is no exception. There are a lot of uh, complicated cards in this set. So please bear with us, and uh, let's get started with that. Who's up for uh, for Artful Takedown? It's me. I'm ready. Uh, so, Artful Takedown. So we're t- sort of talking about two cards simultaneously right now. Uh uh, Artful Takedown and Bounty of Might. And so Artful Takedown uh, costs two blue-black, and it's an instant that says choose one or both, tap target creature, and then uh, target creature gets minus two, minus four, until end of turn. Bounty of Might is four green-green for an instant that says target creature gets plus three, plus three, until end of turn. Target creature gets plus three, pr- plus three, until end of turn. Target creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. Something that both of those cards have in common. Uh, they have multiple instances of the word target. Um, and they uh, can target the same creature multiple times, but they don't have to. Right. Um, so because it, uses, it says target in multiple, multiple places, each one of those instances of the word target can choose either a new target or the same target. Yep. So it's, it's, it's not, um, super unclear, but there are some cards, some older cards and some cards now that don't quite work the same way. Um, but because they all, each, each one has its own instance of the word target, you can choose the same one. Right. This is different from a card that would say something like, uh, target creature, you know, to look at Artful Takedown, it's different from something that says tap target creature and target creature gets, you know, I know the target creature gets minus two, minus four until end of turn. And you'll see a lot of cards that are templated that way. And in that case, it has to be two separate ones. But this one, if you are using both modes in Artful Takedown, you can do the same creature or a different one. Yep. It's up to you. Uh, so moving on to our next card, we have Assassin's Trophy. The the most actually constructed playable card. Uh, yeah, for sure. Assassin's mm-hmm. Trophy costs green-black. It is an instant, and it says destroy, target, permanent, and opponent controls. Its controller may search their library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle their library. Um, so it's kind of like Path to Exile, but destroying it instead of exiling it. Did you, did you notice uh, that the art for this card is this is one of the azorius sphinxes from like the last time we went to ravnica oh my gosh it is yeah yikes yeah. uh the uh the the flavor text says a power vacuum for the azorius a keepsake for Vraska. and i wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that azor was on uh uh that other plane we were just on whatever it's called excellent oh, yes excellent Oh my gosh, uh, yeah. I don't know that for sure because I'm not a Vorthos guy, but I, you know, I have Vorthos friends I could ask. I probably should. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Isperia Supreme Judge from uh, Return to Ravnica. That's Isperia? Yeah. Well, oh, wow. It Dang. looks, it, from the from the art, it looks a whole lot like, because Isperia has this big, weird, round, disky thing on her forehead. I'm looking at Isperia right now. Oh my gosh, yeah. There is a big round disky thing. 
we're we're nothing if uh, because this is a podcast. We're very evocative with our word choices, right? Uh, yeah. Disky yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, disky thing is uh, some 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 complex and powerful you do, language. You you do that disky thing, Brian. Yeah, I do um, that disky thing that I do. Uh, so anyway, anyway this, this card, Assassin's Trophy. Uh, uh, it's it's destroy the target permanent and opponent controls, and they can search for a land, basically. Now, if the target's somehow illegal when it resolves, uh, it doesn't resolve. That means it won't destroy the creature, and they don't get to search for a land. However, if that creature is indestructible instead, it is still resolving, and even though it won't destroy the creature, they do get to search for a land. Um, and if they, which is particularly brutal, right? Now, if they choose not to search for a land, they don't also shuffle. They can choose to search and fail to find a land, uh, in which they want to shuffle. if they want to shuffle and not get a land. Uh, but if, for example, they know what card is on top of their library, uh, and they don't want to shuffle because they like that card, they don't have to search at all. And and the the, the shuffle's contingent on the search. So if they don't search at all, they don't have to shuffle. Now this is one of those effects uh, that you do if you're playing Assassin's Trophy, you do have to remind your opponent that they have the option to search for a land. Uh, so if they're not searching, you have to confirm. Be like, you're not going to search? And they go, no, I'm not going to search. And you go, okay, great. Cool. Wait, All right. wh- why not? What's on the top of your library that you like? Right. Uh, how, do you know, how do you know what's on the top of your library? Oh. Uh, uh, I can surveil. Yeah, good card. Surveil. Um, we got a, a, a kind of a tyrant card up next. Ah, uh, yes. The, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful card. Uh, or an excellent card, uh, Aurelia Exemplar of Justice. Ha! It's an exemplar. Uh, yeah, it's an exemplary tyrant. Yeah, it's an exemplary tyrant. Uh, two red and a white for a legendary creature angel that's a 2-5. A 2-5, that doesn't sound so great. Um, <laughs> keep, keep reading, Okay, guys. all right, let's keep, let's keep reading. Um, let's see here. She's got Flying. Okay, that seems pretty good. Seems, seems good. good. She's got mentor, which okay, but two power. Come on, you know how how often are you going to be mentoring with only two power? Um, at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose up to one target creature you control. Uh, until end of turn, that creature gains plus two, plus zero, oh, gains trample if it's red, and gains vigilance if it's white. Huh? Aurelia is is red and white. Um. Okay. Wow. Ah, look at this. Okay, so uh, neat things about this card. First off, uh, Aurelia's last ability triggers at the beginning of combat. Mentor triggers whenever this creature attacks. So the last trigger is going to trigger um, at the beginning of combat. And then if you decide to attack with her, her power is going to be effectively four. If, if you target her with the ability, her power is going to be four for, mentor, for when Mentor triggers which is pretty cool. Um, if the creature is white and red, it will get trample and it will get vigilance. It is only going to get the plus two plus a once sad face. Um, now this is, this is something else. Uh, once the creature gets the bonuses uh, from the resolving trigger, it gets to keep them even if something else changes its color. So if it stops being white or red uh, for whatever reason, it's still going to keep trample. It's still going to keep vigilance. Um, so once the ability resolves and it already has them, right? It's right? it's the gaining the gaining trample and the gaining vigilance isn't contingent on it remaining white or red. 
Uh, also, it gets you get the plus two plus zero oh regardless. It doesn't matter if you, you if you target a green creature, it's going to get the plus two plus zero. Oh. It's not going to get the trample. It's not going to get the vigilance, but it's going to get the the plus two plus zero. Oh. So Aurelia Exemplar of Justice is pretty cool. Pretty exemplary. It's yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 uh, it's got a nice ability. Like it doesn't care about things that target only itself. You know. I recognize <laughs> that it's really good. You what? I said I recognize that it's really good. Oh. <laughs> uh, so you're saying that that Aurelia Exemplar of Justice is is uh, a little less needy than than Beam Splitter Mage. Oh yeah, definitely. This is the neediest <laughs> card in the world. It's so. Extra. Silly. It's so extra, right? It's quite extra. It extra. It's a tryhard. Tryhards are vocab so... word of the day. It's pretty tryhard. Um, at any rate, uh, so Beam Splitter Mage is a 2 2 for blue red. It is a Vidalkin Wizard that says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Beam Splitter Mage, if you control one or more other creatures that spell could target, Choose one of those creatures, copy that spell, the copy targets the chosen creature. Okay, so uh, this ability will only trigger when you cast an instant or sorcery that only targets Beam Slitter Mage, and only if you control another creature that spell could target. It will, it will only trigger at all if, if both of those things are true. Um, however, that spell can be something that allows for multiple targets something like what was i just talking about um bounty of might if all of my bounty of might targets are beam splitter mage um it will it will trigger yeah that's a that's a Um, that's a weird one right it's the spell has three targets but all three of the targets are beam splitter mage so it's a spell that only targets beam splitter mage yep however if you have <laughs> multiple beam splitter mages <laughs> with with that um, bounty of might, and I choose two, the one beam splitter mage for each, I, I don't. The, the ability does not trigger because even though it says targets only beam splitter mage, it's referring to itself, not just a card named beam splitter mage. Right. Have you said beam splitter mage so many beam splitters so often it started to lose all meaning yet? It it's really, the, it, really has. It's just the BS mage. Right. In the show notes, it's, <laughs> it's the BS mage. Yep. Well, there's... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where you you kind of have to say the name a, a million times for it to actually make any sense. Because if you just say it, I could be talking about the ability or the mm-hmm. tr- spell or the... Um, at any rate, um, if, uh, you don't control another creature that could be a tar- could be the target for the copy, you don't copy it. Um, if Beam Splitter Mage leaves the battlefield or becomes an illegal target for the spell that triggered the ability, um, the spell is still copied, uh, because that spell has, that, that ability has already gone on the stack and is still going to resolve, um, Additionally, um, the copy is going to resolve before the original spell, um, and as our standard our standard copy uh, show note or our release notes episodes, we always have to say uh, with copies, copies aren't cast. Um, 
but that's special here because uh, you're not going to trigger another beam splitter mage with this. So because you're not casting the spell, even if you have a second beam splitter mage, I'm saying it again. Um, even if you have a second beam splitter mage that you target with the copies, that's not going to create an endless loop um, of, of beam splitter mage triggers. Um, if your copied spell is has modes, you don't get to choose new modes. Um, if your copied spell has uh, values for X, those values for X are going to be the same as the original spell. And you cannot pay any additional or alternate costs for your copy. Are we sick of hearing about our very selfish friend Beam Splitter Mage? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, but now it's my turn to have a chance for glory by talking about the card chance for glory <laughs> fancy that uh-huh uh and the card chance for glory is is pretty neat it's you they keep playing around with cards kind of like this uh it's it i think it's a really neat design yeah. uh it's an it's an instant uh being an instant is weird but it's an instant that says uh that's uh it costs one red white it says, creatures you control gain indestructible. Take an extra turn after this one. At the beginning of that turn's end, end step, you lose the game. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't cast this during your opponent's turn. <laughs> Even though it's an instant, and it might seem correct, it's not. Well, if, uh, if, you, need to, if you need to block, if you need indestructible creatures to block, and then crack back... Sure. Then, yeah, that's that's not unreasonable. Yeah, you then can give your that guys indestructible. You be, whew, that extra turn thing's not going to help you out in that case. No, it's not. But the uh, indestructible might. <laughs> All right. So uh, now, what's interesting about that scenario is that they're indestructible on both turns, and what that's just a nuance of the card. You'll notice that when I told you about it being indestructible, I didn't say until end of turn. That's because the card doesn't say until end of turn. Must be an creatures you, creatures you control gain indestructible. That's all it does. Uh, it it well, doesn't say on. until end of turn. It doesn't There's put a, a limit on it. There's a memory issue there. They don't do that. There's a memory issue. How are you going to remember like eight or nine turns from now that your creatures well, are still indestructible? If the card does what it's supposed to do, the game will be over at the end of your extra turn. Oh, so it's easy to remember. It's easy to remember. Now, uh, Brian, there are... Brian brings this up because I did that before the show i was like this can't be right and then i read the card again <laughs> so you say that anyway. you say that but he actually had that written in in our uh in our episode notes before you ever had that problem uh yeah. <laughs> my little smoke hopefully that's not a memory issue smoke 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 um so now there are going to be ways to break this card you know you can um if you go into other card sets you're going to be able to counter the triggered ability or uh, maybe you're going to use Sundial of the Infinite to end the then the turn yes. uh, early or something. Um, and there are some interesting nuances about that card in this regard. Uh, that it doesn't say at the beginning of your next end step, you lose the game. It says at the beginning of that turn's end step, you lose the game. So it doesn't matter whether it triggers or not. Uh, if you end the turn and you don't and that turn doesn't have an end step. You've avoided the problem. So there, there is some interesting weirdness there. Uh, so if you have a way to skip the extra turn or skip its end step, that 
that ability will like, never trigger. Like a chrono, uh, a chronotog, I think, eats yeah. your next turn. So, um, oh, yeah. So, now, about the indestructible thing, creatures that enter the battlefield after you've cast the spell will not be indestructible. It's only the ones that were in play when you cast this spell. Uh, and then and then there's one note that, that I've added here that I, want, I think is important. If you somehow cast this spell and have also cast uh, Nexus of Fate or or Time Walk or something else that gives you extra turns. Nexus of Fate gives you extra turns, right? Uh, something else that gives you extra turns. Uh, yeah. Then those those stack in a way that's kind of important because one of these extra turns ends the game. So if you have <laughs> multiple extra turns queued up, then whichever one has resolved, was, was created most recently, whichever spell created a turn most recently, that's the turn you take next. I hope it's not this one. Uh, speaking of hope, though, I think that brings us yeah. to our next card. The next card. All right. I, I kind of want to say the name of this card. I want to try and get like a movie announcer voice where it's like, it's the dawn of hope. Or something, something along those lines. Like try and do something like overly dramatic. Will you? Will you? It's the. Will you read the rest of the card text that way too? That would be awesome. Um, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where this is going to end up. This might end up awful. Um. Whenever you gain life, you may pay two. If you do, draw a card. Three and a white. Create a 1-1 white soldier creature token with lifelink. In a world with 1-1 white soldier creature tokens with lifelink, <laughs> one woman stands alone against a tree with a sunset. <laughs> to wage war, secure peace within yourself. All right, all right, I, all right. Br- Brian, you've got a, you've got a, you've got a new career. I, uh, I have. There you go. I, I refuse to actually listen to this part of the podcast because it sounds like I, I have a feeling it just sounds awful. But anyway, um, so the first trigger. So no, it was, it was legit yeah. good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. At at work, people people say that I have a distinctly different voice when I'm talking to people on the phone than when I'm just sitting at my desk talking to people because I, I put everyone I put on my serious voice. Everyone has a phone voice. Everybody has a phone voice. I, <laughs> I, I promise you. Um, all right. So the first trigger, the whenever you gain a life trigger, the first trigger happens per life gaining event, not each life gained. So if I gain three life, it's not this card doesn't trigger three times. It triggers one time. Um, so when I ever gain life, I may pay two. If I do, draw a card. I can't pay two multiple times. I can't decide like, oh, well, I want to draw three cards. Let me pay six. None of that. Um... Now, there's a neat thing about creatures with lifelink. Um, so normally, if I attack, if I attack uh, uh, Jess with three one-one creatures, and he doesn't block, he's, Jess is going to take three damage. That is one damage event. So things that trigger off whenever Jess takes damage, it'll actually say Jess on the card. Whenever Jess takes damage, uh, <laughs> something happens. Um, it's going to trigger only one time. But Lifelink has special rules that's basically when they deal combat damage, uh, each even though all that life is gained at the same time, they're going to be treated as three separate life gain events. So if I attack Jess with three Lifelink creatures, my, my Dawn of Hope, my, uh, whenever I gain life, that's three triggers because each Lifelink uh, uh, soldier is treated 
as a separate life gain event. Special for lifelink. Um, one other interesting thing. Um, in Two-Headed Giant, life gained uh, by, your, <laughs> by your teammate won't cause this to trigger. Okay, so I'm playing with, with my buddy. My buddy gains life. I don't get to pay two and draw a card. And, uh, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, he came over, he visited me, um, you know, he's, he's for the two headed giant, he came over and visited. He's not exactly like special or, or, or anything, you know, godlike or anything like that though. (laughs) So you're saying it was not a divine visitation. (laughs) It's not a divine visitation at all. Uh, this Divine Visitation uh, is a card, but I'm also going to point out that I have a local player in my area who posts a card design every day, a new a, a design for a new card, and basically designed this card and posted it on Facebook the day this card was uh, uh, was spoiled, really? was was leaked or not leaked, uh, was was posted. Spoiled is the word um, you're looking for. So. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was, and everyone we had a we had a nice. Local magic bonding moment over that. Oh. Anyway, uh, Divine Visitation is an enchantment for three white-white uh, that says if one or more creature tokens would be created under your control, uh, that many 4-4 four, four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance are created instead. So instead of soldiers, you get angels, which just seems better. It does, in general. Um, yes. <laughs> uh things to note about this card uh the characteristics of the token are replaced entirely by being a 4/4 white angel creature token um if there are uh something else specified in the effect that creates the token like that says the token gains haste or exile it at the end of combat um or it enters the battlefield tapped and attacking um those are still true However, so, it's a so. A so if I have something angel. that puts a one-one soldier creature token into play, tapped and attacking instead, I'll get a four-four angel with flying in vigilance that's tapped and attacking. Right. Sweet. <laughs> and just because it have has vigilance does not mean does not make it not tapped, uh, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, neat. Uh, additionally. Uh, if you create a non-creature token that uh, will end up being a creature when it enters the battlefield um, like March of the due to something like March of the Machines, right? Um, something that will make it a creature, uh, Divine Visitation doesn't apply. Uh, h- however, uh, there if there's an effect that changes whose control the uh, token enters the battlefield under... Um, or is created under, rather, new language, my bad, um, that would apply before Divine Visitation. So Right. And I'm going um, to be honest, I'm, like, I'm not honestly entirely solid on how all that rule stuff works, and I'm wondering if we're going to see a rules change because of it, because those two things seem to contradict to me, uh, but they apparently don't. Right. So if something was supposed to... If Jess was supposed to make a uh, a 1-1 soldier and something would mean that I would get the 1-1 soldier and I have divine visitation, I get an angel, right? Yeah. It, it, 
<laughs> yeah. So so this is this this was we we did spend a little bit of time arguing about about this before the before the show <laughs> how the how and why this works right uh and, and i think ugh. what we're gonna do is we're gonna wait until the actual rules come out uh because yeah there does seem to be a little bit of a, a contradiction in those last two points that that we're gonna need to right. go get some help with right when you, when so. you really delve into uh uh like why those two things work they, i i don't understand how they could both be true that doesn't mean they can't uh, it just means I don't understand it. So we'll, we'll figure it out, and uh, maybe we'll bring it up in a future episode. Yeah, if we get a con- complete clarification on that, we will mm-hmm. likely let y'all know. I hope it doesn't result in uh, errata. Uh, I, I hope mm. errata is bad. I don't like errata. Right. Similar to Atrata. Oh, uh, she's fine. I'm, yeah. <laughs> so next up, I'm never gonna not read it that yeah, way though. Next up we have a Trata the Silencer, which I have always every time I've looked at it, I've seen a Rata the Silencer. Well, there is also uh so when I played uh Pokemon Go briefly, uh all I got <laughs> all I got were Atratas. <laughs> were they in the top percentage of Atratas? I, I, I don't know. That's a Pokemon meme. Anyway. <laughs> There's a there's a kid who says that his Rattata is in the top percentage of Rattatas. Uh, at any rate, Atrata, j- tell yeah. us about it. <laughs> so Atrata the Silencer is a legendary vampire assassin. Uh, she costs two blue black, and she can't be blocked. And whenever Atrata deals combat damage to a player, exile target creature that player controls and put a hit counter on that card. That player loses the game if they own three or more exiled cards with hit counters on them. Atrata's owner shuffles Atrata into their library. Uh, this card seems surprisingly good, especially given that it's a 3-5 for four mana. Uh, yeah, I think this card is super, super cool. This is, this is going to be great for Commander, uh, but it's also going to be great. I think it's just going to be a limited bomb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This this card, it, it may see constructed Agreed. play at the, at the four mana price point. I'm, I'm not sure. Um... Uh, because it doesn't care about uh, whether or not the creatures with hit, or the exiled creature cards with hit counters came from this Atrata. Um, they just have to have hit right. Counters. So I could I could hit you once with Atrata, you could kill it. I could play a second Atrata, hit you a second time, and you could kill it. And I could hit you with a third Atrata, and you'll just lose the game. Yeah. So um, maybe you want to play with multiple Atratas instead of just hoping that you keep drawing the same one you're shuffling away. Hmm. Uh, Right, so I think a lot of like in constructed. This I, I think this card will see play in constructed. Now, uh, you know, there's there's uh, there's Jess Dunks's hot buys for the set. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't checked to see if everybody else has figured that out yet. I'm pretty sure they probably have. <laughs> so good luck. Yeah. Standard but, metagame breakdown with Professor Dunks. Yes, <laughs> I haven't played standard in so long. Um, I had this birthing pod standard deck that was so sweet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm seeing the the like fade into your flashback right uh-huh. now. In a world where birthing pod. No, I'm kidding. Um, so if there are a couple of things about Atrata's ability that that I want to get into before we move on to the next card, um, if your opponent doesn't control any creatures, then there aren't any legal targets for Atrata's ability. So the ability won't resolve and will be, it, it won't be shuffled. Uh, now, 
if Atrata leaves the battlefield with the trigger on the stack, the trigger does resolve, and uh, Atrata doesn't move from whatever zone it went to. If it's in your graveyard, it stays there. If it's in the command zone, it stays there. But uh, your owner, the owner still shuffles their library. So if you control Atrata and you hit your opponent, and in response to the trigger, they do something to destroy it, you're still going to shuffle your library. If you exile a token with Atrata's ability, that token ceases to exist, and... Uh, it's never uh, going to have a hit counter on it. Um, well, it's it's going to have a hit counter, but it's not an exiled card with a hit counter on it, so it doesn't... Right, yes. So, so, so it's not going to count. Whether or not it has a hit counter is just... Yeah, it's totally irrelevant. It doesn't matter, because it's not a card. Uh, so there is a brief moment where you're resolving this ability, and it is exiled... Uh, but it doesn't matter. It's never going to matter. So, exiled cards just go poof when you... Uh, or sorry, exiled tokens just go poof when you exile them. And uh, and will not count towards your three. Right. Atrata's owner also shuffles when the triggered ability resolves, regardless of how many cards are in exile, or whether that player loses the game. Uh, so, technically, if that opponent loses the game, you still get the shuffle before the game is over. <laughs> Because it's still resolving? Yes. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, this is also for... Just the old Rubbin's Shuffle. Rubbin's Shuffle. Uh, um, yeah, and then in multi in, uh, in multiplayer, too, you'd still... Like, that the, the person that you hit is is out, but you still got to shuffle errata. Uh, errata. Errata. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, I just... I wonder how much how many altars there are going to be for commander of this card that give it a rata of some kind. I like, I don't know what that will look like, but I like, I just it. hope it's a whole bunch of Ashnod's coupons. <laughs> I, I wonder, I wonder if when they were naming this card, if someone looked at it and just said, this looks a lot like another really common word, like, uh, uh, what's like, uh, the, the perfect of, uh, was that elf? Um, Imperious, Imperious Perfect. Perfect, right. Like, I think that was like when Harry Potter was out and everyone was like, oh, it's Imperious Prefect. Because it was just, it looked like uh, another word that they were expecting. Uh-huh. I wonder if anybody was yeah. like, oh, you know, this looks a lot like Arata. Do you think anyone will get confused by this? Nah, it's fine. Run it. <laughs> Ship it. Yeah, the art's cool. The card's cool. I'm excited for it. Even though I'm never going to remember the name. <laughs> All right, what do we have next? Uh, oh, so we have pro- the card with what is probably my favorite flavor text in the whole set. Um, so the card is <laughs> the card is Experimental Frenzy for three and a red. And the flavor text is, turns out coffee is the weird aunt of invention. So necessity, yes, necessity that. might be the mother of invention, but coffee is the weird aunt of invention. Uh, so what this card does is it says uh, you may look at the top card of your library at any time. Yes, even then, with one exception. <laughs> um, uh, you may play uh, the top card of your library. Okay, this sounds this sounds awesome. I can look at the top card of my library. I can play the top card of my library. Cool. Sounds great. You can't play cards from your hand. Um. Hmm. And then for three in a red, you can destroy Experimental Frenzy. Um, yes, coffee is the weird aunt of invention. Um, so this card is, I like to call this card, Top Deck Mode. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So you can look you can look at the top card of your library at any time. Uh, you don't even have to have priority. You can just decide it's like there's no in response. Look at the top card of my library. You just pick that thing up and look at it. With one exception, one notable exception, if the top card of your library changes while you are casting a spell or activating an ability, you can't look at that top card until you finish casting or activating. Okay, so if you're in the middle, if you're in the middle, you gotta you gotta wait until you're done casting casting or activating it in order to to look at uh, to look at the next card. Uh, timing timing restrictions and permissions apply. So if, uh, you know, you, you can play the top card of your library, but, you know, sorceries still casted sorceries, playing the top, playing a land, uh, you still have to obey all of the rules for that. Um, so uh, you can still only play one land per turn. Uh, you still have to pay the costs. Uh, and then there's some things like that are in your hand, like cycle, cards with the cycle ability or the blood rush ability, or even like the madness or discard. You can uh, still do those because you're you're not actually casting the spell from your hand. So that's a that is a that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool card. Yeah, I think I think it's a fun card. Will f- somebody find a way to break it? I hope so. Is it likely? I don't know, but I hope they do. Uh, you know how we were just talking about errata? Yes. Yeah. Uh, would would you believe we already have day one, day zero errata on a card? It happens from time to time. Well, is it is it because the name of these cards are are, are the same or t- are so similar? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They they just didn't drag the the R down enough in invert yeah. to make it invent. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, they so we have invert and invent. Um. The the errata, as I mentioned, is on invert. That is uh, just a single, is it hybrid mana for an instant? And says, switch the power and toughness of each of up to two target creatures. No. You may, you may notice that that does not um, give you an end point. It's, it's it does not tell because you... Because you lose the game at the end of next turn, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> um no, uh, our our errata tells us that that's only going to last until end of turn, as as was intended. Um, additionally, invent says uh, is also an instant for for blue red that says search your library for an instant card and or a sorcery card, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Um. Uh, back to invert for a second. Um, it said when it says switch the power and toughness of each of up to two target creatures, um, you are not switching them with each other. Um, you are individually switching the power and toughness of the creature. Um, also, um, layers. So power uh, power and toughness switching uh, will apply last. So you will apply any. Thing that buffs your power, anything that buffs your toughness, anything, anything, all of that, anything that would change the power and toughness applies first, and then you switch. Switching always happens last, um, but again, it will only it will only last until end of turn. So, I 
I am reiterating that because you're not going to see it on the card. <laughs> it's a very, like, it's it's so important. Um, uh, and Invent, uh, a slightly less complicated but still good to know, um, you can get a few different sets of cards. You can get no cards. You can fail to find. Um, you can get one instant. You can get one sorcery. Or you can get one instant and one sorcery. Um, you can't get two instants. You can't get two sorceries. So let me let me ask this: uh, with other split cards, like uh, what's it? That something in Resurgence card that was an instant on one side and a sorcery on the other. Uh, I can go grab either, right? With uh, like when it says search my library for an instant card and or sorcery card, if I want that one to be my instant card or my sorcery card, I can go do that, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Sounds great to me. <laughs> it is It is an instant. It's also a sorcery. <laughs> you can pick it. Cool. Heck, Heck yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next card then. Uh, we have, is that pronounced crowl or crawl? I've always I've always said crawl, crawl? but crowl Would makes sense too. you say you've too. always said crawl? Crawl? It it's was a, a type. It was a yeah. thing in original. In other is it? RTR as yeah. well. Yeah, oh, it's a, it's a group. Oh, yeah, it's like a it's like a tribe of bug yeah. people. Ew. Uh, <laughs> so I think crawl is the the joke actually. Uh, so it's oh uh, yeah, that so makes it's sense. Crawl huh? harpooner. Crawl harpooner is an insect warrior. Uh, it's a three two creature for one and a green, uh, and it has reach. Uh, those are some pretty good stats just right off the bat. Uh, it also has yep. uh, undergrowth. When Crawl Harpooner enters the battlefield, choose up to one target creature with flying you don't control. Crawl Harpooner gets plus X plus zero until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Then you may have Crawl Harpooner fight that creature. Um, so a few things about this card. That's so much It, it is. It's a lot of text. So a couple of things about this card. First of all, how is it that... Throwing a harpoon flavor-wise lines up with the fight mechanic. Uh, it's what I want to know to start with, but moving on from that. Uh, the X that's determined for this triggered ability uh, is determined as the triggered ability resolves. It doesn't go up and down as your graveyard changes, so once it resolves, if it was, uh, if it was three, it's going to stay three, whether you get more... Or fewer uh, uh, creature cards in your graveyard. Um, you get to choose the target, uh, it, it, or choose not to have a target when the ability goes on the stack. But you don't have to choose whether or not the creature fights until the ability resolves, which is interesting because you can target your opponent's creature and see if they pump it, and then just be like, "No, nah, I don't want to fight. We're, we're good. We're good here." You know. So it's like when you're when you're you know. When you, you you think you want to get into a fight with somebody and they stand up and they're actually, you know, way bigger than you and you're like, whoa, whoa. We're good. We're good. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, sorry. You know, I was just I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Uh, <laughs> bug people. So. <laughs> if the, those bug people. If you choose a target creature, but then that target creature is illegal when the ability tries to resolve, it won't resolve. So even though not having a target is legal, once you've chosen one, it's got to stick with the target. If, if, if that target becomes illegal, 
then the ability won't resolve. The harpooner won't get plus X plus zero. If the target is legal, but crawl harpooner leaves the battlefield before the triggered ability resolves, no damage is going to be dealt because that's just the way that fight works. Uh, and if you do choose it, or sorry, if you don't choose a target creature, uh, crawl harpooner will still get the plus X plus zero until end of turn. It just won't fight anything. Yep. Pretty cool. I think that's a very good uncommon. It's it's a very good uncommon actually. I, I'm I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. So, I I'm a fan of this yeah. next card a lot. So, so this next card has, in in my opinion, <laughs> the best made up word ever. <laughs> okay, the, the card is uh, Lazav the Multifarious, like That's like so good. nefarious. Only multiple nefariouses. Except, Except more. more. Like, <laughs> Except like, several. Like several times more. However nefarious you thought uh, Lazav Demir Mastermind <laughs> was, this this Lazav has upped his game and is is not just nefarious, he's multifarious. All right, so for a blue and a black... For the mere cost of two total mana, you have a legendary creature shapeshifter, 1-3. Seems okay so far. And when Lazab the Multifarious enters the battlefield, surveil one. Seems okay so far. Now, okay, now strap in everyone. Uh, We're we're going on an ability (laughs) ride here. Um, For X mana, X colorless mana... Uh, or sorry, X generic mana. My fault. Uh, Lazav the Multifarious. I'm going to say this as many times as I can. Lazav the Multifarious becomes a copy of target creature in your graveyard with converted mana cost of X. Okay, except its name is Lazav Nefarious because let's face it, if you've got a cool name like the Multifarious, uh, you're going to keep it. Um, it's legendary in addition to its other types, and it has this ability. So uh, it's going to have the ability that, that that's going to allow it to become copies of other things in the graveyard. Um, this ability uh, does not have a duration end. It becomes a copy for forever until you make it a copy of something else. Um, so Lazav copies exactly what's printed on the card, uh, except for the characteristics it specifically modifies. So the name, the fact that it's legendary, and the fact that it has that extra ability. Um any effects that applied to Lazav before it became a copy still apply after it becomes a copy. And what we mean by that, like, is if I hit it with a giant growth, that plus three, plus three from the giant growth is still going to apply on whatever copy Lazav becomes. Um, if, uh, if the card in your graveyard has an X in its mana cost, uh, X is going to be con- considered zero. So, uh, you might not want to make Lazav copy like any of those green hydras, right? Um, yeah. Uh, if you copy something and it uh, the copy has a, an ability that says, hey, when this enters the battlefield or this enters the battlefield tapped, those don't apply. Lazav... Uh, has been around for a while. Uh, you don't you don't get a name like the Multifarious by being like the new kid on the block. You gotta have been around. Lazav was was here right. the whole Lazav's time. Been here the whole time. You just didn't know it. You thought it was like your best child, your best friend from kindergarten, and instead it was a, a demure mastermind. Um, 
the, the last note, and this is kind of cool, if the copied card has an ability that can be activated only once each turn, uh, if you want to use that ability more than once, you just keep copying it. Because each copy is considered a new instance, and the activation restriction applies to that new copy. So you can just keep doing it over and over That's and over again. So ridiculous. Congratulations. EDH players now have a new combo that they can do with infinite mana. Yay. Uh, so here's the thing, man. With a name like Multifarious, I would expect some shenanigans. Multi Multinanigans. With a name like Lazav, it has to be good. Smuckers? <laughs> <laughs> when, Brian, when you said it has the mirror cost of whatever, I was like, that's not how much a mirror costs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that card's so stinking cool. I like it very much. Are we ready to move on past our, our new friend Lazav? Yeah, I think so. All right. Next, we have a... Uh, card that is is reasonably simple but we gotta tell you um legion guild mage i got a complaint about this card right off the bat yeah yeah okay what, i know nobody in the podcast can see the art but yes that is clearly a soldier wizard uh yeah that's totally a soldier wizard huh yeah uh so it is, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's two two for red and white that is a human wizard. <laughs> but Jess would like to contest that it is, in fact, a soldier wizard. That's a, which... that, that is a wizard in full plate, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Legit. Um, maybe it's just, like, fake metal, and they're just psyching you out. That's just wizard robes, but shiny. <laughs> so, uh... Legion Guild Mage uh, has two abilities, uh, five and red and tap. Uh, Legion Guild Mage deals three damage to each opponent, um, and two and white and tap, tap another target creature. Uh, really, the reason we want to talk, mention this is uh, to take into account this card is great for two at a giant. Um, it says deals three damage to each opponent. Uh, each opponent in two headed giant is both heads so it would deal six uh it's great um and that would apply to any other cards that say each opponent each each one of the heads counts yeah indeed that was a pretty brief card yeah it was uh, oh brief i get it yeah. brief with because the next oh, one funny. is the mission yeah. briefing. okay so our next card is uh, Mission Briefing. Uh, <laughs> I really like this card. Uh, this is... I, I don't know if this card is going to be just the next incarnation of Snapcaster Mage or just bad. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> but this card is, is cool looking. So it's a it's a two-mana instant, uh, which means notably it doesn't block. But it's a two-mana instant <laughs> with real. Surveil 2... Then choose an instant or sorcery card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Uh, so, because you're surveilling, and then you're choosing an instant or sorcery card, and it doesn't target, you can choose a card that you just surveilled into your graveyard, which is pretty sweet. Uh, 
However, the timing restrictions on the card don't change. You, you don't cast it as part of the resolution of mission, mission briefing. Mission briefing. Mission briefing. You <laughs> cast it uh, as, uh, as just it's an effect. It's similar but not the same as flashback. And I want to point that out because with flashback, if it were, say, remanded back to your hand, then it would be exiled instead. But in this case, it's only exiled if it would be put into your graveyard this turn. So if you remand it, it ends up... Back in your hand. In your hand. Yep. Uh, Now, mission briefing can't choose itself, because when you're choosing, it's still on the stack. And I bet people are going to try and do that. Absolutely. Uh, If you do cast a spell this way and it goes somewhere other than your graveyard, such as to your hand, like we mentioned, uh, it's considered a new object in the zone that it's put into. So even if it goes to the graveyard later somehow... It's not going to be exiled because it's a new object that doesn't remember that it was that it was briefed. (laughs) Uh, And wow, that was that's a complex card that we just went over a whole lot faster than I expected to. So I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm getting quite adept. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, (laughs) You two were on the same page and I'm just sitting here like, where is he going with that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Omnispell Adept is, for four and a blue, is a 3-4 human wizard uh, that has um, two blue tap. So two and a blue tap. You may cast an instant or sorcery card from your hand without paying the mana cost. Um, that, that seems pretty good. Uh, <laughs> so the first thing is, um, when an ability lets you cast a spell and doesn't say something like, until end of turn, or something like that, you may cast, you may cast a spell from your hand without uh, until end of turn. If it just says you may cast it, that means you get to do it right now. Which means you get to ignore things like timing restrictions. Which means you may cast sorcery using this ability on your opponent's turn. Um, so good. If you, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know... Got any, like, eight mana sorceries that you just want to, like, whip out there at instant speed? Kablow. Um, yeah, you have to say that when you're activating uh, Omnispell's ability. But, kablow. Um, not to be confused with kaboom, exclamation point, uh, which is also a card. But, uh, if you cast a spell without paying its mana cost, that means you can't choose to cast it for any alternate costs. Again, <laughs> We, we we tend to say this kind of stuff like at least once, maybe twice every every release notes episode. But uh, you can pay additional costs such as kicker, uh, mandatory additional costs like sacrifice a creature or something like that also must be paid. Um, any X spells like fireball are are really zero spells. Uh, you, you, X is zero. Sad, face. Wah, wah. Sad zone. Yes. yes. But you got through that one quickly too. Let's try this again. You're getting quite adept at that. Oh, everyone's feeling pretty adept, huh? <laughs> Including yes. Passwall Adept, which I think is a weird name. Uh, it is a human wizard for one and two. It is a one three uh, that has an activated ability that costs two and blue that says target creature can't be blocked this turn. Um, this is another one that I think we go through most release notes episodes um activating this ability after a creature is already blocked is not going to cause that creature to become unblocked this is only useful if you activate it before before blocking mm-hmm. 
Now, if you're judging a pre-release this weekend, I expect this is going to come up a lot because this ability is on a common that's a 1-3 yep. for 2. It's just it's a, it's a totally a fine card. playable common and people are going to try to do this. Yep. Yeah, it's it is it's going to come up and again, it is only it is not going to do anything if you do it after the creature has already been blocked. But that's it. All right. I don't have a I don't have anything remotely a good segue for this next one, but it's a cool card. <laughs> uh, so that's so- the segue. That's a great segue. Uh, The next card is Pelt Collector. Now, flavor-wise, this card doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but let me tell you what it does first. It it costs one green. It's an elf warrior creature. It's a 1-1. It says, whenever another creature you control enters the battlefield or dies, if that creature's power is greater than Pelt Collector's, put a plus one, plus one counter on Pelt Collector. And as long as Pelt Collector has three or more plus one, plus one counters on it, it has Trample. So this creature has Trample as long as it's wearing enough fur coats. It's got to be warm. It will melt through the others because it's so warm. I mean, it reminds me of Mayor of Averbrook, which gave all humans plus one, plus one. If your town has three mayors, you can survive a lightning bolt. It's just magic flavor. <laughs> if your town has three mayors. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> but but then but also if your town has three mares, um, when the full moon comes out, you're kind of all dead. True. No, you're super. <laughs> yeah. What? The, I guess I. You're screwed. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> all right. So, so what's fun about our trampoline or not friend pellet collector? Well, uh, so that ability, I want to go over the first ability again. It says, whenever another creature enters the battlefield or dies, if that creature's power is greater than Pelt Collector's, put a plus one, plus one counter on Pelt Collector. There's a whole lot of weird stuff with that. First of all, um, in order to see if a creature that's entering the battlefield will trigger this, uh, you use the creature's power after you consider any static abilities that modify power. So if you've got that Mayor of Averbrook that gives humans plus one, plus one, uh, you've got to consider that fact uh, when you're deciding whether it's going to trigger. If you play a a 1-1 creature, but now it's a 2-2 because of that static ability, uh, then it will trigger if as long as Pelt Collector is a 1-1 because apparently it collects human pelts, and that's just (laughs) disturbing. Um, It picks up their fur coats off the ground. Ugh. Um, so to determine if a creature dying will trigger this, uh, you use the power as it last existed on the battlefield. So this is one of those situations where you're using what's called last known information, which we mentioned earlier in another card. Now, if a creature has power less than or equal to pelt collectors and it enters the battlefield or dies, the ability doesn't trigger at all. You can't respond to the ability with effects that change a creature's power at that point because there's there's nothing to respond to there's no ability that's on the stack there uh and here we have something we talk about every release notes episode this is an intervening if clause it's actually the second intervening if clause we've talked about but it's the first one we're going to mention uh it's an intervening if clause so it let me give you an example if multiple creatures let's say it's a one one and you have several two twos enter the battlefield at the same time uh, well, they're all two power, and Pelt Collector is a 1-1, one, one, so it will trigger, say, three times if there were three that entered the battlefield. But 
when the first one resolves, suddenly Pelt Collector is a 2-2. And when the other two go to resolve, it, it is no longer uh, true that 2 is greater power than Pelt Collector has. And those two will be just removed from the stack when they try to resolve. Uh, so even though they've already triggered, we check the, the trigger condition again when the trigger resolves. Uh, there's also something else weird here. A lot of times uh, we don't like to think of power as being able to have a negative number, and there are a lot of cases where that's not used for a calculation. But in the case of a comparison, where you're comparing two numbers, that is used. So negative numbers are considered here. So if you have something that's making pelt collector's power less than zero, uh, it's pretty much going to be less than everything that enters the battlefield. Uh, oh. Because negative, you know, the negative two, for example, is less than zero power. Uh, so if something enters the battlefield, if an ornithopter enters the battlefield with zero power, it's still greater than Pell Collectors. That's a very silly piece of that that I had not thought about. Um, so it's definitely possible to... Uh, it's definitely possible to have some weird circumstances there. I, I'm actually thinking, like, if it, so, so it has, you know, minus two power from some effect, right? Uh, so its, it's power is is, uh, is negative two, and you play uh, a zero zero creature that immediately dies um, because it's a zero zero creature. Pelt collector will trigger twice: once because that zero zero entered the battlefield, and once because it left. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for well, for what it's worth, it could be a artful takedown. Artful takedown if it was really big, except that doesn't work because it has a smaller. <laughs> but so ignore me. Uh, uh, there's a Liliana that sees a lot of play that gives creatures minus two minus zero until end of turn. That they might do something similar to this. Uh, but there, there are a lot of effects that give uh, debuffs to power minus to power. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one thing that can come up is that if if Pelt Collector is dealt lethal damage at the same time as a creature that that would trigger this when it dies. They're destroyed at the same time, so even though the, the ability technically triggers, the Pelt Collector isn't there anymore to get the additional plus one, plus one counter, and so it won't have that counter in time to save it from any damage it would be receiving. Yep. What a lovely narrative you've crafted, Jess. Uh, yeah, that is, that is <laughs> quite lovely. Um, uh, quite a lovely narrative. However, if you were going to craft things, narratives are much better than... The plague crafter would craft. Uh, yes, <laughs> that sounds like a bad. So would a plague that sounds like a bad like a cartoon villain name. I am the plague crafter. Yes. What an edge lord! <laughs> I yes, yes, my precious. I am the plague crafter. I cost two and a black for a three-two. <laughs> I am a human shaman. Yes, my power is generosity in a way. I give my survivors an appreciation for their lives. So, Edford. Yes, yes, yes. When I enter the battlefield, each player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. Each player who can't discards a card. Okay, so... Um, nice. Yes. We're going gonna, to... I'm going to do this all the time. Our pre-release episodes are going to be so much longer because I'm going to do voices for everything. Uh, so... Uh, What's going to happen is when, <laughs> oh, good. Uh, Plague Crafter, when, when, when Plague Crafter enters the battle... No, um, you're going to choose the creatures or planeswalkers that you sacrifice in app order, active player, uh, and you're going to choose them publicly. 
I'm going to sacrifice this creature. Then Brogan's going to uh, choose the creature of Planeswalker. She's going to sacrifice. And then Jess is going to uh, uh, choose his. We're going to go around. Then what's going to happen is those creatures are going to, even though we chose in Apnap order, those creatures are going to be sacrificed simultaneously. Then whoever couldn't sacrifice a creature is going to choose which card they're going to discard in Apnap order. You're going to do that face down. This is the card, but you're not showing it yet. And then everyone's going to discard that card simultaneously. Um, Each player chooses a permanent to sacrifice from among the creatures or planeswalkers they control. Uh, you don't have to choose the type of permanent any or you don't choose the type of permanent any other player sacrifices. So I dropped Playcrafter. I can't say okay, everybody sacrifice a creature. No, the person doing the sacrificing gets to gets to choose. Um, let's see here. Playcrafter uh, can be the creature its controller sacrifices uh, for its own ability. Um, seems a little uh, uh, uncouth. Um, and there's this wonderful note in the in the release notes that actually says, um, "Don't be like Plague Crafter. Always wear personal protective equipment when performing dangerous work," which <laughs> is just good advice. And it's general. just just generally good to have. Yeah, right. I mean, it's not only not only you know personal protective equipment or PPE as we call it in the industry in the biz, in the biz. Um, yeah. in the biz. Um, <laughs> You definitely want, I mean, you, you know, you've got, you want to have your safety goggles on, you want to have your your gloves. Uh, if you're going to be stepping in something that you don't want to muff up, make sure you got like little little soft booties on your shoes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the proper, uh, proper response to working in a dangerous uh, uh, environment. Uh, so speaking of Wait. responses... <laughs> Uh, our next card is uh, another split card. It's called Response to Resurgence. Or it's Response and Resurgence? It's ands I, for these, right? I think... I think yeah, Response and Resurgence. Man, Response to Resurgence so. would have also been a great name. Two, two, two was... Two that's is the, 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 um, the, the, the graveyard... Uh, right. Cast yep, the graveyard. The Diamond Cat ones. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So this is, this is the one we talked about earlier. Uh... It is. Well, for split for cards split in cards. general. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't go over it specifically. Right. Uh, but we have we have discussed it, this card before. You are not... Um, th- so this is a resurgence in talking about the card. <laughs> right. Okay, so response... Uh, we didn't talk about what it does, though, right? No. Okay, so response deals... Uh, the, the, the left half, if you will. Response is hybrid, red-white, red-white. Uh, so you can choose to pay red red or white white or red white for it, or even white red. Uh, so response deals five damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Now resurgence, on the other hand, costs uh, three red white, and it is a sorcery. And it says creatures you control gain first strike and vigilance until end of turn. After this main phase, there is an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. Okay. Uh, so, resurgence affects only. We're going to talk mostly about resurgence. Resurgence affects only creatures you control at the time it resolves. Uh, creatures that come under your control later won't gain first strike and vigilance. And 
if you cast Resurgence when it's not a main phase, perhaps with Omni Spell Adept that we talked about earlier, uh, creatures can, you control will gain First Strike and Vigilance, but there won't be an additional combat phase or main phase. And if you do the same thing, but you cast it during your opponent's main phase, there will be an additional combat and a main phase, but the opponent will be the one attacking and getting that combat phase, not not you. You don't Oof. get to attack during your opponent's turn. Can you imagine getting just destroyed by that, not realizing that's how it works? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, mm. so even though there isn't a card that does it, like, it's theoretically possible for the rules to support you attacking during your opponent's turn. Like... That's that's a thing that could be templated that way. Like I I don't think they're ever going to do that because it breaks everything. But but it's possible. Uh, so well, now that we, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's that's uh, we should move on to the next card because I don't really have anything else to say about response and resurgence. Those are that's all I got. In response. Oh God! So many people are going to say that. <laughs> uh yeah. So true fire captain. Uh is a 4-3 uh, human knight for red, red, white, white with mentor. And whenever True Fire Captain is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target player. Um, overall, pretty simple. But uh, as a small note, uh, that last that last ability, the uh, dam- when it is dealt damage ability, is going to trigger even if it is dealt uh, lethal damage. Uh, so... If it is uh, dealt damage by, say, a 7-7 that it's blocking, uh, its ability is going to trigger, and True Fire Captain will deal 7 damage to target player that is hopefully your opponent and not yourself. Um, unless you want to take 7. Uh, if you, uh, if your life is brought to 0 or less at the same time that True Fire Captain is being dealt damage, uh, you're going to lose... Uh, due to state-based actions before the triggered ability will go on the stack, so you don't get to get a deal of revenge damage to your opponent to try to draw the game and take them out at the same time. You're going to die before that damage, uh, before that ability will ever go on the stack. Revenge damage? Yeah. Like, Like, aha, you're going to kill me? I'll kill you at the same time. You can't kill me, I quit! Wait, no. alas! <laughs> I think that's that's it for yeah. True Fair Captain. All right. Uh, so the next card that we're going to talk about is Undercity Uprising. Dun dun dun! For two black and a green, it is a sorcery uh, that says creatures you control uh, gain death touch until the end of turn. Uh, when target, then target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. Flavor text, now it's your turn to hide. Um, So, uh, if both the targets are illegal, this spell has two targets. If both the targets are illegal when this goes to resolve, the spell's going to be countered, so creatures you control do not gain death touch. If one of the targets is illegal, um, so if both of the targets are illegal, spell doesn't happen, uh, don't get death touch. If one of the targets is illegal... Uh, the fighty fight doesn't happen, but all your duders uh, will still get death touch. That's the technical term. Duders, yes. Um, and uh, death touch. Uh, one note: uh, death touch applies to damage to all damage from a source with death touch. It doesn't have to be combat damage. So, uh, giving one of your duders uh, 
death touch and then having it fight another duder is going to definitely kill the other duder. <laughs> yeah. Checks yeah. out. Okay. Um. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. That's a lot of. I, so, is that supposed to be Nissa on the art for that card? In the background, uh, with the staff. Yeah. Oh, it does uh, look a little bit like Nissa. It it mostly looks like Nissa from the staff, but yeah. I don't know. I can't. Like this picture's not actually. That, hold on. At first, I was like, "No, that's Vraska. What are you talking yeah, about?" They're, they're basically the same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nissa yeah, yeah. Vraska. I mean, same, same, right? All right. Vines, Gorgon hair, yeah, whatever. All right, what's up next? Yeah. What's next? What's next? Under Realm Lich, which is dun, dun, dun. gross which sounding. Al- which also has a staff, so is could be Nissa. Could be Nissa. <laughs> Definitely Nissa. It's, it looks a little um, more like the Martian Manhunter than Nissa, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it looks does like a the, little bit. Looks like the Crypt Keeper. Um... Uh, Underrealm Lich is a 4-3 for 3 black green. It is a zombie elf shaman at, that says if you would draw a card, instead look at the top three cards of your library, then put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. It also has an activated ability that says pay for life. Underrealm Lich gains indestructible until end of turn. Tap it. Uh, so if something uh, would have you, if an effect would have you draw multiple cards, um, each of those draws are separate, and each of them is replaced by our by Underrealm Lich. Um, so you would have to do it independently, individually, for each instance of drawing a card. Um, this will still apply, uh, even if you don't have any cards in your library. So uh, you effectively can't be milled out because you're not drawing the cards. Your draw is being replaced by looking at the cards and putting one into your hand. It, you're no longer drawing the card. <laughs> um, uh, as another small note, you can still activate that activated ability, even if it's already tapped, because it says pay, the cost is pay for a life, and then uh, tapping it is is just some part of what happens. It's not like you have to tap it to pay the cost like you do a lot of the time. Um and it's not going to become tapped again, but it'll get indestructible. So that's cool. Sounds cool. Sounds cool, Overworlder. You've strayed. <laughs> it's that's what a spooky friend. But yeah, I think this is a this is a value card, and I it has it has three creature types, so I've got to love it. Our next card is a Wojek Bodyguard. And the Wojek Bodyguard. I did, I dislike this card from the flavor standpoint because <laughs> it, it, it's it's for, well I'll get there. It's a three. It's three. not a very good. No, bodyguard. it's a terrible bodyguard. No, it's, it's, it's the worst bodyguard. bodyguard. So it's a three three for two and a red, and it's uh it's a creature human soldier. It has mentor, which we talked about earlier, and it can't attack or block alone. So I've got. A bodyguard that is useless if it's by himself. So maybe it's a bodyguard of someone that's also fighting, and that's the like that's the deal, right? It, it has to be with someone. Hang on, hang on. The the funniest thing 
can't block alone. So you've hired a bodyguard. Someone's <laughs> coming to attack you, and the bodyguard's just standing Shoving there. Shoving you in at front you. of it. Well, it's going to stand there and not do anything right. and look at you. Are you going you gonna to help me? <laughs> you going to help me or what? Why are you just standing around? What? Come on, you think you think this guy's just gonna like? <laughs> oh man! Goodness gracious! Uh, so it's not a very good bodyguard at all. Uh, there is some weirdness with attacking and blocking restrictions uh, that can happen. Did uh, we get into that in a second? Uh, so first of all, I want to get into what can happen if your opponent has planeswalkers, or if you're playing this into a giant. It can't attack alone. But it doesn't have to attack the same player or planeswalker as the other attacking creatures. So if your opponent has a planeswalker and you're attacking the planeswalker with your other creatures, you can attack that planeswalker's controller with your Wojak bodyguard because they're still attacking. And in Two-Headed Giant, uh, as long as there is another attacking creature, you've met the requirement. It doesn't have to be your attacking creature. It could be your teammate's attacking creature as well. Uh, now, once once it's begun the attack, it's, once it's on the attack, it's tapped and attacking. Uh, if one of the other attackers uh, or blockers, if it's blocking, are removed from combat and he, he is by himself, the attacker block doesn't get canceled. It's still attacking or blocking because that action of being declared as an attacker has already happened. Nor blocker. Can, can I... Can I point out that this is also a flavor fail yes like if the bodyguard if the bodyguard drug along <laughs> the person that, that he was supposed to be protecting <laughs> and they and, that, and they and, went away and, and they went away the bodyguard just keeps on doing whatever it was like doing. I, like it doesn't stop and say like hey wait a second i mean <laughs> this would have been a great transform card into like wojek avenger if another attacking creature dies oh See that's that's cute. I like that. Um, anyway, so that great design just jumped into my head, and I just like <laughs> go with the whole thing. But anyway, um, so if there's some other effect that says it must block if able, and you control another creature that can block, both of those creatures must block. And the question is, what? yeah, why? So why is this true? <laughs> what? Uh, and that's the the reason is. You, you have to meet the largest number of requirements while violating the fewest restrictions, to put it in a very technical way, when you are when you are declaring your attackers and blockers. So a legal block has to satisfy as many requirements as it can, in this case the requirement to attack or block, while adhering to all restrictions. Now, the restriction in this case is that it can't attack or block alone. So is there a way that we can meet the requirements of having to attack it without violating any restrictions? And the answer is yes, there is. And it forces you to attack or block with another creature, which sucks. That's even the worst. That's the worst is bodyguard. You're going to drag the, <laughs> you're going to drag the person along whether he wants to or right. not. Trash tier bodyguard. <laughs> Trash tier. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a, another small point of clarification, if I, if Jess, if you're, playing against me and Brian. Can you attack me with your bodyguard and Brian with your Pegasus? Absolutely. Heck yeah. That actually seems I like wanted, a winning I combo. I didn't want to get... What's that supposed other to mean? Other than the, the Pegasus. No, Pegasus. Because oh, I was thinking about like Pegasus Courser, which is uh, uh, 
you know, gives it flying, right? Oh, and, yeah, And then yeah. the Wojak Bodyguard would give the Pegasus Courser plus one, plus one. So, like, it's, it's actually just, like, seems like a good combo. I was just picking a random creature, but it worked out. See, I was I was thinking Mesa Pegasus. Because you old. Because I old. <laughs> All right, we've, we've made it through a lot of cards. Are there... Is that it? Is that yeah, all of them? Yeah, it, we we talked you know card by card <laughs> through a lot of weird rules stuff. Uh, if you're still here listening to us through the episode, I want to say thank you for yeah. listening to the entire episode. Um, I would what? They love us. Uh, you know, you know, one thing that we did, we didn't cover. Um, there was a there was a card that we were specifically asked on Twitter to cover and we have not done that all right i i don't know the context that word is pronounced portcullis what's the problem the problem is that cj schrader never knew how to pronounce that word and <laughs> there, there is a, an older card card an older card called portcullis and yes. he thought it was pronounced portcullis portcullis oh and oh, goodness said gracious. Porculus on the show, and it just became oh. Porculus moving forward. And I don't even remember if he actually thought that or if he was just joking at that point, but I know he didn't know oh. how to pronounce it. It's just it, CJ, CJ mispronounced cards all the time. It was amazing. And so, <laughs> uh, so that's where por, Porculus, Porculus came from. And oh, I like Porculus right. very much. Right. And so what I would like, because this was like five years ago. And the day that 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 Perculus Vine, which is uh, obviously a creature, a creature wall, uh, uh, a creature plant wall bovine or, or pig, rather. Um, it's a pig, pig. Yes, it's a pig. Um, we got three tweets of people saying, can't wait until you spoil this card. Ha ha ha. So. I would just like to say, because uh, because this this means that these listeners have been fans of the show for a long time, five for five plus years, <laughs> and I I appreciate it. I appreciate you, um, and Porculus. There you go, um, uh, Porculus Vine. Porculus Vine for a green. Uh, it's a it's a zero three plant wall with defender, and you can pay two tap sacrifice a creature with defender draw a card, and yeah, it's a piggy wall. Uh, uh, enjoy enjoy all your pig walls at the pre release. We we don't necessarily explicitly say this in these episodes, but we do this so you could you are the most informed to go judge your pre-release or your release events uh this set looks like a lot of fun so i hope you all have fun yeah whether you're judging this weekend or playing this weekend i hope you have a good time and uh, i know i'm going to be playing uh hopefully somewhat this weekend oh yeah and uh so we, yeah if you're going to be playing some two-headed giant go check out our episode on 2hg just go to judgecast.com search for uh, 2hg in the search bar uh, you can also find all of our episodes at judgecast.com. We have our entire archive that is free to listen to if you have uh, any desire to listen to other rule stuff. Uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can send us an email if you have a rules question uh, or any other question related to judging at judgecast.gmail.com. Or you could just message us on Twitter or Facebook at 
uh, at JudgeCast on Twitter and at Facebook.com slash JudgeCast. I'd like to thank you again for listening to episode number 210. I'd like to thank my two wonderful co-hosts for being here uh, with me through this uh, lengthy episode and running through all these cards. Uh, I guess I'll just say that I'm Jess Dunks and I keep it fair. I'm Bergen King and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prilliman and I keep it multifarious. (laughs) 